0: From Hollywood, I'm Martin Grove, welcoming you to our Screen Dollars podcast, Box Office Autopsy. In today's conversation, we'll look at the marketplace and analyze how things are going and where they're going. Joining me on the line now is Screen Dollars box office guru, Dick Walsh. Between Dick's career in exhibition including as film chairman of AMC Entertainment, and my own days talking about movies on CNN, Entertainment Tonight, and as a Hollywood Reporter columnist, we've logged nearly a 100 years in Hollywood. That doesn't mean we're always right, but we've definitely got a few opinions to share. Dick, here we are with yet one more overperforming weekend at the box office. Ghostbusters Afterlife opening to... $44 $44 million. Estimates had it uh, around $30 million. Uh, the uh, the most enthusiastic estimates from some exhibitors uh, were for maybe $41 to $44 million. So uh, it certainly hit the high end of what they were expecting, but it's a terrific opening. What do you think? Yeah, uh, th- thank goodness
1: Ghostbusters Afterlife was out there. This is the Thanksgiving a week, a traditionally very good time to go to movies, and for them to come through like this, uh, that's a great thing. Uh, however, the the weekend is off. Um, it's only 41% of 2019 the same weekend, and so there's some cause for concern there. After four or five consecutive weeks of running at 75%, of 2019, so we've hit a little hiccup here, but it's not something that can't be cured.
0: Well, look, we're going to come back to that, uh, uh, but let's just uh, keep the focus for the moment on how well Ghostbusters Afterlife did open, and what I'm seeing, and I want to know if you agree or not, is, is that the matinee business, which reportedly was very good for Ghostbusters Afterlife, that to me is a signal that families are coming back to movie going uh, perhaps it's now that kids are able to be vaccinated, uh, and many have been according to news reports uh, this could mean a resurgence of family movie going, which is very important to theaters, and uh, that certainly should help during the holiday season
1: oh absolutely this is uh
0: this is a breath of fresh air for
1: the uh, under-25 demographic that has been missing in most cases this entire year, and for a family picture to perform like this uh, just indicates what you said, that uh, more people are, more families are coming back, more kids are coming back, and, uh, you know, the 44 million uh, was with very strong, as you say,
0: matinee business. Yeah, and and the picture, you know, is not liked at all by the critics. It's only 62% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. However, it's got an audience score of 96%, and I think that should translate into very nice word of mouth, and that certainly helps, uh, particularly with a family picture where you want to be sure that you're not subjecting the family to something you're not going to enjoy. Yeah, it's it's great to have something out there for
1: next weekend uh, that you know is going to perform, uh, is almost certainly going to hold in well for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, this picture is just off to a very, very good start.
0: And, and again, as you and I have said many times, I mean, this is a, a product-driven business, and the product in this case is a good product. It's exciting. We have a clip here from Ghostbusters Afterlife. and Let's listen to it, and then we can talk about, again, what, what it is that's helping to, to drive this picture so well. What is happening
1: here? Somehow, the town with no fault
0: lines is shaking on a daily basis.
1: Maybe it's the apocalypse.
0: Egon came out here for a reason.
1: Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? Oh, my God.
0: You guys hear that? Something's coming. And that's a scene from Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now, the original 1984 Ghostbusters was directed, of course, by Ivan Reitman. And this sequel, which is really a reboot... Uh, set decades after the original film, was directed by his son Jason Reitman, very well known and regarded for Up in the Air and Juno. Uh, from the original, Bill Murray, Sigourney Weaver, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, all back in uh, cameo roles from the original. Uh, the original film was the second biggest uh, grossing movie domestically in 1984, did a little over $227 million, uh, which was certainly uh, very big, uh, Big business. Then uh, the picture now, uh, Dick. We've talked about domestic, internationally. It added 16 million dollars in 31 territories this weekend. So it's done 60 million globally. Uh, projections earlier in the week that it were that it would do maybe 45 million. So uh, worldwide, it's ahead of the game as well. Now looking uh, closely at some of the details, uh, this picture only runs 124 minutes. Uh, what do you think of at the running time. Well, the running time is, is
1: absolutely perfect. You get into that 90-minute uh, to 120-minute zone, and this is what the audiences have time and time again wanted. And let's give uh, Jason Reitman credit for realizing that people would want to see the older characters brought back in, that he would want to see it in 124 minutes or whatever and you leave the audience with what they want, and they respond with a 96% approval
0: rating. Yeah, and th- this is what drives the picture. Uh, a-, a film like Ghostbusters Afterlife, I mean, while it's nice to have positive reviews, I don't think it matters at all that the critics have been uh, you know, downbeat.
1: And, and, and Sony certainly realized uh, when they took this weekend that it's, it's one of the five biggest uh, weeks of the entire year. Uh, and uh, for them to stake this out and claim it as their own, congratulations uh, for their strategic thinking on placing it where they did on the release calendar.
0: I want to come back to what you were saying earlier, uh, looking back to 2019 and how we are down from from there. I feel, uh, as I know you know, that... Um, the comparisons are at a disadvantage now because, you know, we're in a, a late pandemic period and, uh, happily in 2019, we were uh, nice and normal. Uh, we didn't realize it, but we were normal. So, uh, you have some thoughts about what the studios might've done, however, to, to boost this holiday season even more.
1: Well, yeah. Um, this is a very known, very fertile uh, period of the year, and when studios are looking to release uh, pictures, they, they certainly look to take advantage of this weekend. Now, we've just come out of October with four consecutive $40 million openings in a row, a very strong October. The industry is rebounding. We have been operating at 75% of 2019, and for some reason, the studio's did not get on this weekend. My suggestion, not even in hindsight. I said this over the Labor Day weekend. I said, why are we not putting the bond picture in there? Why do we not move a dune into there? Or, God forbid, leave alone uh, Top Gun Maverick and have that sit there. Ghostbusters did a great job, but this time of year, another picture of one of those three would have just added to the audience. And we wouldn't have a 41%. We'd be around 70%.
0: Yeah, and that would be uh, certainly better, much better. Now, now there was, uh, of course, another picture. Unfortunately, it wasn't one of the biggies that you've mentioned. Uh, That picture is from Warner Brothers, and it's King Richard, which is the biodrama about the rise of tennis stars Venus and Serena Williams. And it's a uh, best picture uh, contender and a Best Actor contender for Will Smith, who plays Venus and Serena's father, Richard, hence the title King Richard, it got off in fourth place to a very soft start, $5.7 million. Even the projections this week, uh, which were not good projections, were for $6.5 million. <laughs> Earlier projections had been maybe 8 to $10 so uh, we've simply gone uh, gone downhill. But the picture uh, has has some very uh, very good performances by the uh, the two kids uh, Venus and Serena and by of course Will Smith. Here's a film clip from King Richard.
1: Do you want to turn pro?
0: Yes. A lot of people are excited to see how you do against players like Celis. Do you think you can beat her? I know I could beat her. You know you can beat her. Very confident. I'm very confident. You say it so easily,
1: why? Because I believe it. But you haven't played a match in almost three years. All right, uh, ho- hold it right there if you don't mind. Let me tell you who I- am. Richard, we're doing an interview. What, what she had said, she said it with so much confidence to face time. but you keep going on and on. But you can't just keep interrupting it but What I'm you got to understand is you're dealing with the image of a 14-year-old child. And this child gonna be playing when your old ass and me gonna be in the grave. When she had said something, we done told you what's happening. You are dealing with a little black kid. Let her be a kid. Now she done answered it
0: with a lot of confidence. Leave that alone. And that's a scene from King Richard with Will Smith uh, doing his thing, and, and no wonder he is a, a leading contender for a Best Actor nomination. Uh, Dick, the picture's 92% fresh with critics, and it's got a 99% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Seems to me that, uh, that that's a win-win. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not so sure that it didn't
1: get hurt by being uh, once again uh, streaming day and date on HBO Max. And uh, that might have held some gross back. Certainly, the picture is a first class quality picture. And, uh, you know, Will Smith being up for uh, uh, potentially an Academy Award as best actor uh, is only going to add to the allure of the film, I'm afraid. That by the time nominations are out and all of that, this picture will obviously have come and gone. Sports uh, dramas
0: are very difficult. To translate into film and gross very well. Uh, you're absolutely right, but it is a good film and I think you're very, very much on target at talking about HBO Max and how it probably hurt it uh, because unlike, say, uh, Dune, which cries out to be seen in IMAX, uh, this is a picture that's perfectly fine to see on your big flat screen at home, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and for nothing in effect, I mean, beyond the monthly HBO uh, uh, Max Subscription, so i think maybe a lot of people did that but look we're on the verge of thanksgiving and uh, we've got some uh, uh, big films uh, opening for thanksgiving uh, the first one is uh, definitely for families and if families are back it'll certainly benefit from it that is disney's uh, animated comedy adventure and canto which opens wednesday uh, it's 93% fresh on rotten tomatoes with the critics which is a definitely good sign for, uh, for the film. It's family appeal. Uh, we've got a film clip which gives you a sense of the music, the excitement, the uh, colorful nature of the adventure. Uh, let's uh, take a listen. That's why coffee's for grown-ups. Might be a bad, her mood affects the weather. When she's unhappy, well, the temperature gets weird. Might be a Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno!
1: They say he saw the future. One day, he disappears. Oh! And that's why mom get that, here's her deal. Whoa! The truth is she can heal you with a
0: meal. Whoa! is recipes are remedies for real. If you're impressed, imagine And that's a scene from Encanto opening uh, for Thanksgiving on Wednesday from Disney. Also opening Wednesday, uh, Dick, we've got uh, MGM's a, uh, House of Gucci. This is an R-rated crime drama going into about 3,400 theaters. Now, this is definitely pro- programming or counter-programming to the family market. Uh, how do you think we're we're going to turn out with House of Gucci? Well, there is room at this time of the year
1: for a serious uh, picture to get out there and, and come through. I think there's also going to be a little comic relief in here. I think people are going to be interested in the story. And, look, two years ago, Knives Out opened on this weekend and went on to do $165 million. So there's certainly room in here uh, to do it. Uh, If this is the vehicle
0: that catches on, terrific. Terrific. You know, as you just mentioned, *Knives Out*, and that was driven to a great extent by uh, having uh, Daniel Craig, James Bond, star in it. In you know, a very different, uh, uh, although somewhat uh, related, action kind of role uh, to Bond, but certainly a very different character. But but there was that star power in *House of Gucci*. You've got tremendous star power: Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, Al Pacino, Jared Leto, and Jeremy Irons. And uh, a star director, Ridley Scott, four-time Oscar nominee, pictures like Thelma and Louise and Blade Runner to his credit. Uh, so there's a, there's a tremendous amount of media attention uh, on the picture. Its premieres in New York and L.A. have had tremendous coverage in the press. Uh, it is uh, just a big picture. Now, the running time here, Dick, 157 minutes. That, that, uh, does that lose it a show a day?
1: Uh, very close, very close.
0: If anything, it
1: takes the last show in the evening to like 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night, which may be a, lo- a lost show time. But it's it's just on the, the cusp. Uh, uh, I wonder if the R rating will help or hurt the picture.
0: Well, that's uh, going to be interesting. Now, on the tracking, the demo group that is biggest in terms of definite interest is women over 25 they are 9 points over norm right now uh, and you know just kind of speculating I think adult women this week a couple of days now before Thanksgiving are busy preparing shopping uh, cooking what you could cook in advance and getting ready uh, but after Thanksgiving dinner has been devoured uh, it's time to see a movie and you know Gucci I mean, they carry a lot of Gucci products on their arms, so so uh, it, it may be that this picture will be driven strongly by adult uh, female interest. And, and again, once again, the weekend they're going into is just a fabulous weekend for moviegoing. I mean, it just goes hand-in-hand hand with celebrating Thanksgiving, and it has for, I don't know, it's probably 20 years now or so. I mean, uh, it, it's it's definitely a, a very good combination. And, and, Dick, lastly, what would Thanksgiving weekend be if we didn't have something for action fans? <laughs> and uh, this year we definitely do, from Sony and Screen Gems. It's the R-rated sci-fi horror franchise reboot. Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, going into around 2,600 theaters. Uh, they're clearly counter-programming for a different audience, yes?
1: Yeah, and uh,
0: interesting to note here, the tracking for this picture is
1: higher than both Encanto and uh, House of Gucci. Maybe that's because the title, Resident Evil, is, is so well-known, but uh, you've got a, a picture here with strong interest uh, going in, all the colleges, all the schools will be out. Everyone will be able to see this picture. And uh, it is not streaming, so it's a theatrical exclusive. So this one might, uh, might surprise a lot of people
0: you know when we return uh, a few pounds heavier I imagine next week with box office autopsy we'll see if there were any box office turkeys hopefully not uh, and we'll tell you about uh, whatever has happened uh, over the holiday uh, extended weekend meanwhile a safe and very happy Thanksgiving to all and thanks for listening now for our film flashback look at what was happening in Hollywood right around now, way back then. Let's set today's time travel dial for November 19th, 1924. Most movie pioneers are remembered for the lives they led, but with Thomas Ince, it's the circumstances of his death November 19, 1924, that people still talk about. Ince created the assembly line way to make movies and he put producers in charge instead of directors and cameramen. Early on, he was an actor working in New York at Biograph in 1910 with D.W. Griffith. By July 1915, they'd teamed up in L.A. with Max Sennett to join forces in the Triangle Motion Picture Company. Real estate developer Harry Culver gave Ince 12 acres in 1916 to build a movie studio in Culver City, Triangle's lot at 10202 West Washington Boulevard. Three years later, Ince sold his Triangle stock and bought 14 acres down the road at 9336 West Washington Boulevard. Triangle Studio was sold in 1918 to the Goldwyn Company, which added 23 adjacent acres for $2,000. In 1924, theater magnate Marcus Lowe bought Goldwyn, and the lot became MGM. Today, it's Sony Pictures Entertainment. After Ince's death, his studio passed through many hands, among them Cecil B. DeMille, RKO Pathé, and Selznick International, which shot gone with the wind there. Today, it's Culver Studios. Had Ince not died tragically a few days after a birthday cruise in his honor on William Randolph Hearst's yacht, Oneida, the studio would likely have been his for many years, the first reports of Ince's death were badly muddled. Brian Tave's definitive 2012 study, Thomas Ince, Hollywood's Independent Pioneer, takes great issue with the fictional account in Peter Bogdanovich's fascinating 2001 drama, The Cat's Meow, with Carrie Elways as Ince and Edward Herman as Hearst. In the film, Ince is down on his luck and desperate for Hearst to invest in his studio. But Ince was far from needy. He'd already produced 15 films that year, and Hearst wanted to move his cosmopolitan pictures from MGM to Ince's studio. Initially, the Hearst organization said Ince was taken ill at the publisher's San Simeon estate, but he definitely was on Hearst's yacht, with some 14 other guests, including Charlie Chaplin and Marion Davies. Meow shows Hearst shooting Ince, mistakenly thinking he's Chaplin, who supposedly was smitten with Davies, Hearst's longtime mistress. Ince was seen by others leaving Oneida very much alive and without a bullet wound in his head as the movie has it. He was said to have suffered from recurring stomach ulcers A few days later, Ince died unexpectedly and somewhat mysteriously at his Beverly Hills home, officially from heart failure, at the age of just 44. He was cremated soon afterwards. And that's it for today's podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another box office autopsy next week. In Hollywood for Screen Dollars, I'm Martin Grove.